Thanks be to God. Now, thank you, Heather, for that Bible reading. Friends, let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for your grace and your love. Father, we want to thank you for your word. And even though this morning uh, we may hear difficult things from our Lord Jesus, Father, we pray that you might give us a spirit of humility so that we might listen, hear and accept your word. And we do pray these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Marriage. Well, what can I say about marriage? Marriage are like flies on a screen door. All those on the outside want to get in, and all those on the inside want to get out. Not my marriage, of course. Right? One of the hardest things to navigate is our relationships. Single people want to get married at any costs. And some married people want to get divorced so that they can be single at any cost. Let me give you some stats. 77% of people live together before they marry. Try now, but buy later. Folks, can I say, from my experience, it's over 90% as I see people who want to get married. And, and you know, in, in the marriage service, when I read God's intention for husbands and wives and their vows, sometimes I think they're adding a, an extra bit. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, and sickness and health, the love and the cherish, but not for long. That's the part I think they sometimes add. And as long as marriage is our norm in our society, so too will be divorce. Uh, the, the divorce rate in Australia at one time was about 50% uh, some years ago. Today it's about 40%. And that's because the cost of separation is very costly financially. So people coexist in an unhappy state. Uh, there is uh, the prediction that divorce will spike again uh, throughout this COVID stress uh, when the COVID is over, if it ever is over. Uh, again, the stats say the most common cause of divorce is money. It's either there is not enough money or there is too much money, and that causes fights and discontentment. And we know the scriptures tell us the love of money brings out the worst in people. And often because they're making money or they People are too busy for relationships. The second thing the stats say is affairs. Soon as people look past their partner and see someone over the fence and they commit adultery, then there is a break of trust which rarely can be healed. And the third reason for divorce, the, the stats tell us, is when sex is unfulfilling or, or our partners are seeing it as a selfish act, there's tension. Uh, with sex, sex without intimacy, you have lust. And that causes division uh, among relationships. You know, when the Pharisees, that the, that's the Jewish teachers of the law, were, when they were trying to trip Jesus up, they wanted to condemn him, you see. They questioned him about the Sabbath. They questioned him about performing miracles. Uh, they had no success. And so they come to Jesus with this controversial topic, divorce. And, and to understand this, you must understand that in the Jewish, uh, the Pharisees, the Jewish uh, teachers, there were two groups of people. And uh, there was the Shammai, and they said marital unfaithfulness were the only grounds for divorce. And then you had the Hillel. And they claimed uh, it was okay for a man to divorce his wife, not for a woman to divorce for a man divorce his wife if she became displeasing to him. 
Wow, that's a, happens on a can of worms, doesn't it? She burns the cookie, divorce her. Not cleaning the house as he would like, divorce her. And it was a little bit like that. Obviously, Jesus clearly sides with the Shammai when he gives his ideal of marriage. And in all of this, Jesus gives us a picture of marriage, a picture of divorce, and a picture of singleness. Firstly, marriage. We see his ideal. And he quotes exactly from Genesis and from Matthew 19. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are not only the two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And folks, just from these couple of verses, the first thing I want to say, marriage is between a husband and wife. There is no room in the scriptures for same-sex marriage. It's about uh, marriages, gay marriages do not enter God's model of marriage. It may be legal in Australia, yes. But from the Bible's perspective, it's a companionship and love of a man and a woman. And Ephesians 5 spell out what this love is. The man ought to love his wife like Christ loved the church. In other words, to sacrifice. In other words, to serve the other partner. That's the type of love between a man and a woman. The second thing we see is that the husband and wife are to enjoy sex. This uh, reference of one flesh is a reference to sex, which is the bond, which is the glue of marriage. But again, sex ought to take place only in the commitment of, of, of marriage. And sex outside marriage uh, can be destructive, a little bit like petrol. Petrol in a petrol tank is very safe. It'll get you from A to B. But you take petrol and you leave it outside uh, with the, the, I guess, the flames of, uh, uh, the, the flame of passion, then it can become explosive. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, marriage is a way to avoid sexual sin. Uh, Paul is not saying you know, that, that it's a, a way to heal a person's lust. But it is God's appointed way to share in the joys of sex if people cannot control themselves. It's not about demanding sex. Sex is in the context of a loving relationship and intimacy. Men, do we know what the word intimacy is? Do we? Look it up when you get home, alright? Folks, also marriage is for procreation, raising the family unit. Uh, to be in marriage. Uh, in Genesis 1, God had told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and increase in number. And obviously, that fruitfulness of the family unit needs to be a husband and wife to grow that family. Now, sometimes couples can't have children uh, through no fault of their own. It doesn't mean that their relationship is not a marriage relationship. Husbands and wives bring children into the world. And I take it they are the best to raise children. I know the argument says gay couples too uh, can raise their children and they can do a good job. Some of them maybe. Some of them maybe can do that. But in God's model of marriage, it is the husband and wife to bring up the family. And it's a permanent union. Notice there, Jesus uses those words, let no one separate. One man, one wife, one life together. No room for trial marriages. Uh, you know, I'll get out of it if it doesn't work. 
Marriage is for keeps and that union should not be broken. And so Jesus answers the question next after he gives his ideal of marriage and we know God's ideal is not always possible. Then he talks about divorce. And he says, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts are hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So Jesus is challenging the Hillel group of Jewish leaders' interpretation and he is very clear. There's no black and white with Jesus. He's very clear. God reluctantly allows divorce only because of people's hardness of heart, only because of their sin. But he allows it reluctantly only for one reason. If your partner commits adultery and there is no possibility of uh, trust and reconciliation, then the innocent party is free to divorce and annul the marriage. They don't have to. But if they can't reconcile, they have the option to end the marriage. Folks, can I say the Bible is silent when there is abuse, when there is drunkenness, uh, when there is uh, gambling, addictions and so on. They are not the grounds of divorce. It is only when the bond of uh, unfaithfulness, the bond of the relationship through unfaithfulness. If your partner is abusive, uh, then separation for safety's sake for you and your family may be an option. But not to annul the marriage. Such is the importance of sex in marriage. If one party is unfaithful, they break the bond of that relationship. And the innocent party is free to divorce and remarry. Folks, I may have mentioned it to uh, some of you, but some years ago uh, a man came into my office and he was complaining that he couldn't be uh, close to his wife. And he wanted, he wanted me to give him some sort of formula so that he could uh, be close to his wife. And I asked him what he did, and he was a tra- travelling salesman. And then I found out that you know, every place he went to, he basically was you know, knocking up with a pr- prostitute. And I said, well, I said, mate, well, there's your reason. You, you've, you've made all these bonds wherever you go. How can you possibly have a bond with your, 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 your married partner, your, your wife? I said, the only way you're going to do that is you need to confess each of those times. Confess that to your, to your wife. You need to have a spirit of repentance. Well, unfortunately, I never saw that guy again. Never saw him again. People who divorce other than marital unfaithfulness, in Jesus' eyes, and he says these words, are committing adultery. Harsh words, heavy words. You know, Australia abolished adultery as grounds for divorce when it introduced the Family Law Act in 1975 under Gough Whitlam. Uh, The only grounds for divorce is the irretrievable breakdown of the relationship, and that's demonstrated by 12 months of separation. And so all of a sudden, it's not even, you know, from a a government point of view, it's not adultery. If, If there's some sort of breakdown in a relationship, then you can divorce. Folks, can I say for those people who have had divorce, and there are a number of you here, I know, divorce is not the unforgivable sin. If you have divorce other than marital unfaithfulness, then just come to the Lord. 
He's a good God. He's a gracious God. Confess it to him. If you have a hard marriage, if you have a hard marriage and there's no unfaithfulness, well, pray. Pray that you might be gracious. Pray for patience. Pray for healing in that relationship. You know, marriage is one of the best relationships you can enter. But it can be hard. It can re- requires time and dedication. It requires commitment to one another. But can I say, divorce is harder. Divorce is harder because it often brings out the worst in people. And it has, obviously, significant effects to children. Folks, this is a huge controversial subject and uh, I know I can't possibly talk to every situation. I'm only trying to teach what Jesus is teaching here. I'm not trying to be judgmental. Uh, and, and if there are issues that you are facing, please see me. Uh, if you want to see Irfan, then please do that. Um, and we, we only want to help uh, we want to, only want to help you. But in this passage, and sometimes it gets overlooked, Jesus also talks about singleness. Uh, We read there in verse 10, the disciples said to him after he told them about divorce, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those who has been given, for there are eunuchs, which mean people who never marry, who are born that way. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Friends, people uh, react to singleness in different ways. For some people, it's the, uh, it's, it's the being free to enjoy life. For other people, it's uh, being single is a great opportunity to serve. For others, singleness is a prison of being alone. There's feelings of rejection and sexual struggle and so on. Folks, can I just read you uh, two Bible verses? I want you to listen. In Genesis 2, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Then in 1 Corinthians 7, it is not good for a man to marry. Now what the heck's going on here? Is the Bible being contradictory? Folks, can I say both statements are true. In fact, they they are complementary. The word good in in Greek is the word kalos. And that actually means beautiful. It means fine. It means noble. It's not, good is not a judgmental word. It's not a moral judgment. It's not saying marriage is good, singleness is evil, or vice versa, singleness is good and marriage is evil. It's not saying that. What it is saying whether you are married or whether you are single, you are in a good state. You are in an honourable, beautiful state. Both states are good because it is God's gift of grace. Singleness is not a curse to escape uh, into marriage. And marriage is not a a curse uh, from the freedom of singleness. Neither is a curse. Both are a blessing. Both are a gift from God. And I think what the scriptures are trying to say, whether you are married, whether you are single, be content. Be content. 
And Jesus talks about singleness and he gets very specific. He says, some singles are born that way. In other words, some people are just happy with their own company. It can mean some people are born gay. It could mean that. So some people are born that way. Then he says, some are made that way. And folks, there have been people in our congregation who have uh, made the decision to look after their parents. I know someone who's looked after their brother. And so they have chosen not to marry because they have, there is another responsibility they see as important. Sometimes their partner dies and they choose to remain single. Sometimes they just don't find the right partner. And then there's the third group, some single people choose that way for the sake of the kingdom of God. And, and I think what's happening here, Jesus is saying some people choose to be single for the sake of the gospel. Because when you're married, you have a divided loyalty. You, have to, you, you want to be responsible to the gospel, but you also got to be responsible to your family. And there are some people who choose just to be responsible to the gospel. Jean Olson, who recently passed away, was a woman like that. She gave her life to the gospel. She was a missionary. She remained single because she knew she could do more for the Lord. Some of you might have heard of John Chapman. He was probably one of Australia's uh, greatest evangelists. Uh, when I was uh, at uh, Beverly Hills, John Chapman was in my parish. And I remember seeing him a couple of times and trying to get some clues uh, about preaching. But I remember him saying, Tony, he said, I could never do what I do if I was married. And uh, it was interesting, John Chapman, he actually used to knit. <laughs> he used to crochet. But he had all this freedom. I used to think, wow, he can do all these things because he didn't have the concerns of marriage, of children. And so Jesus is saying some people are born that way. Some people are born singing. Some people make themselves that way because of other priorities. And some people choose that way for the gospel. Single people, I want to talk to you now. I beg you, in the name of Jesus, don't think you are second class. Of course you can pray for, for a partner. But don't think that marriage is the fulfilment of humanness. Because it's not. Friends, our relationship with Jesus is what fulfills us. If you go into a marriage to think that you're going to be fulfilled, you're going to be disappointed because your relationship with Jesus is the one who brings fulfilment in our lives. Don't make rash decisions. Don't think, and I know it's hard, to think that you'll be left on the shelf, that you'll be devalued. Single people, relax and believe in the sovereignty of God. Accept your situation. I know it's hard, but I think this is what Jesus is saying. Singleness is good. Solitude is not good. Because we were created for relationships, not necessarily marriage relationships. Never despise singleness. After all, Jesus was single, wasn't he not? You know, in the Old Testament, single people were embraced by the extended family 
And I think in the East that the families were closer together uh, because in the West, I don't think that takes place uh, as much. And I want to say, we here in the West, we need to embrace single people in the church family. It should never be a them and us, the singles and the marrieds. And I hear that sometimes. It shouldn't be like that. Married people, I'm talking to you. Don't forget your struggles when you were single. Be more thoughtful, more prayerful for, for those single people. When you invite people over for tea or whatever, don't just invite people who are married. Invite single people. Single people, again, don't think you're second class. You have a chance to do gospel work. You have an extra chance to be more prayerful. You have an extra chance to learn more. I had visited someone uh, last week and they were telling me that through the COVID experience, uh, because they had so much time, they had just spent all this time reading the scriptures. I have a girl that I've just started, or a couple that I've just started Christianity Explain, and incredibly, she said to me, during this time, during the last month, she's read the Bible from, from cover to cover, and she's starting again. I think we can learn from non-Christians, can't we? Use the time, use the opportunity. And can I say, singles, pray for married couples because it's not all beer and skittles. Folks, the last thing I want to say, I want to mention forgiveness and faith. And if you've got your Bibles open, it is really good because it's something that I just discovered while I was preparing this. It's no accident that Matthew sandwiches uh, this, uh, this uh, scripture on marriage and divorce and singleness in between, firstly, what comes before chapter 19? Chapter 18. And last week, Irfan gave us a great sermon on chapter 18 about forgiveness. And one of the areas that we need forgiveness probably more so than anything else is in our relationships. And it's interesting that the last bit, just after the marriage and divorce and singleness bit, there's the business about who enters the kingdom of God, having a faith like a child. Friends, no relationships can operate without forgiveness. We need to forgive others. We need to ask for forgiveness when we've done the wrong thing. Friends, if you have been unfaithful, if you have had sex outside of marriage, if you have been discontent, if you haven't trusted the Lord, if you've been disobedient, come to him. The Lord is good. He died on the cross for you. He loves you. Despite when we muck it up. Come to him. If your partner has been cruel and ungracious and extraordinarily hard, ask the Lord to help you to start to forgive them or to continue to forgive them. You don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve forgiveness and probably that person doesn't deserve forgiveness. But you know what? We are called to forgive. And like the disciples, we can find this teaching is hard. The disciples are like, why the heck do you want to get married? <laughs> if you can't get rid of your wife. I don't think they were saying that, but that's what we were in their heads. And Jesus said, this is a hard thing. 
but you need to accept it. And it's interesting, isn't it? Just like we need to have the faith of a child uh, to uh, enter the kingdom of God, we need to have the faith of a child. That means we need to trust completely that God knows what's best for your relationships and mine. Trust God that he knows the best for our relationships. Again, friends, if uh, there are people with issues, uh, please uh, see me after the service or give me a link during the week. But for now, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for your grace and your love. And Father, there are some things in relationships where we don't fully understand. There are some things that we find hard to take. There are some things we find hard to do. But Father, please give us a spirit of humility. Please give us a spirit of repentance. Please give us a spirit of understanding that you only want the best for us. And we can see that when we look at the cross, that you died on the cross for our sins and that you rose from the dead so that we too can share in that resurrection there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more divorce, no more harsh treatments. And we do pray these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen.